0: Last week we ended uh, Colossians chapter 3, we were talking about Thrive. Now this is about relationships, it's about relationships that we have together, Um, and it's also and specifically about relationships in our marriages. And as we look, and in our families, as we look at our relationships, let's, let's go back and and uh, Steve Harper and, and our media ministry team did a great job with that little, uh, uh, we call them a sermon bumper. It gives everybody a chance to move where they need to be, but it's an intro uh, video to the sermon. We call it a sermon bumper, and they, they did a great job of summarizing where we've been thus far in, uh, in, on this journey of thriving. If you remember, we began in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, that's kind of flourishing relational life that we want. Uh, But we can't listen to the wrong voices because that will lead us to make bad choices and end up in sorry places. Rather, what we must do is delight ourselves in God himself. And, uh, and, and pursue him and submit ourselves to him and surrender to him, especially in our relationships. And then we moved from Psalm chapter 1, we moved over to Colossians chapter 3. And if you remember how Colossians 3 begins, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. Uh, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with God in Christ." Uh, when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall also appear with him in glory. So uh, Paul sets up the stage and, uh, for talking about relationships, and he says the very beginning point of us moving forward in our relationships is understanding our identity. Uh, verse uh, 12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. He, he Again, identity. Who are we? Well, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We have been rescued from sin's Uh, condemnation and judgment. We have been purchased uh, by the sacrificial death of Jesus. Uh, We have been made brand new. Uh, We are new creations in Christ. We have a new way of living, and we need to get rid of the old way of living, especially in our relationships. And so in verses uh, 5 through 11, Paul says, here are some things, some toxic things in our life that we have to get rid of. And summarizing those things, we have the the death-dealing desires, these dangerous appetites that can kill our relationships and kill us too. We have those death-dealing desires. Then we have abusive emotions, anger and wrath, these abusive emotions. Then we have uh, uh, destructive words. Uh, and, And as we look at those three ingredients that need to be uh, cut away from our life. We understand they're toxic, and they're toxic to us. They're toxic to our relationships as followers of Christ. So we need to stop doing them. Um, and then last week, uh, we began looking at the things, these, these life-giving ingredients of love that we need to add or plant into our relationships. Uh, and, and Paul was talking about a, a compassionate heart and a generous spirit, uh, uh, Kindness, compassion, uh, compassion, kindness, uh, uh, humility, a humble heart, uh, a, 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 there's another G in there that I said, it's, it's uh, meekness, a gentle spirit, there you go, a gentle spirit. And then uh, the last one was long-suffering or patience. And if you remember how we ended last week, we talked about long-suffering, and, uh, and Paul described it... At, 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 that, that we are to be long-suffering, which literally meant we must forbear with one another and forgive one another, even as anybody has a complaint against us, even as God in Christ also forgave us. So we're going to pick up on this idea of forgiveness today, uh, because I do believe forgiveness is a secret sauce Uh, To the thriving of our relationships. I believe that many of our relationships are wilting on the vine because we fail to forgive. Uh, We fail to forgive in the way that God has forgiven us. So instead of looking at Colossians 3, I want us to flip over to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, only looking at one verse, really one phrase in one verse. Uh, Ephesians 4 32, the apostle Paul writes, he says, therefore be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. You get the picture there? Uh, Let me go on. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5, the very next verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, living a life of love just as Christ has shown us how, who gave himself up to be a fragrant offering and a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So as we look at this passage, we, we see that, that we are to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. That dearly loved children, again, identity. Because we are followers of Christ, God has an expectation of how we live. We talked about this last week. God has an expectation, and when we meet that expectation, we are being obedient. When we fail to meet that es- expectation, we are being obedient disobedient. We don't like to talk of it like that because we like to think that, well, I just didn't make it this, this time, or I didn't, I didn't hardly measure up today. But, or, you know, you got to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. God, you need to understand. But again, God has an expectation on us. And when we meet that expectation, we are being obedient. When we fail to meet that expectation, we are being disobedient. As dearly loved children... As followers of Christ, there's an expectation that God has upon us, and that expectation is to forgive others even as God in Christ also has forgiven us. The expectation, the way we imitate God as dearly loved children, is that we forgive others the way God has forgiven us. Now just take a moment and think, how has God forgiven you? How has he forgiven you? Did he he forgive you by saying, now, if you will go to church 52 weeks a year, read your Bible every day, go to your life group, every single, have at least a 50%, I mean a 75, I mean a 90% attendance in life group. If If you will accomplish all those things, then I'll forgive you. Is that his forgiveness? It's his forgiveness. Now, if you will pray to me every day, and if you uh, 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 say kind things about other people all the time, if you, if you uh, do all of these things, then I will forgive you. Is that the way he is forgiven? God's forgiveness has been unconditionally provided, offered, God has paved the way of our past, present, and future with this wondrous offering of forgiveness, and it came to him at a great price. Ephesians 1.7, Paul writes, he says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. It is the very, uh, it is the very shed blood of Jesus Christ that, that paves the pathway for our forgiveness. And it is offered unconditionally to us. It is all of God's grace giving to us everything we need without us doing anything to deserve it. Forgiveness, as God gives, has not been earned by me, nor by you. And yet it is still offered. Is that the way we offer forgiveness? Now, right now, your your wheels are turning and churning, and I understand that, and you're thinking of all the exceptions to that rule and how it doesn't apply to me and my situation. I understand that, but before you go down that road, before you start down that road, let's just start with the simple premise that we, the simple premise that the Bible says. Again, look at verse 32, Ephesians 4, 32. Let's just begin with this simple premise. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Now, this phrase, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. So let's let's begin with that premise, and the premise is that we must forgive others the way God has forgiven us, right? Awesome sauce. That is awesome sauce. That is sweet. I love it. Um, All right, so... Instead of us beginning how we, don't, we shouldn't have to forgive, let's begin with what the Bible says, right? Isn't that, isn't that a good principle to follow? You might not enjoy it as much, at least initially, but this is the way we need to thrive. The way we thrive is we allow the Word of God to teach us how to relate to one another. So it begins when we forgive others the way God in Christ has forgiven us. Now, as we look at this, this uh This verb for forgive in Ephesians 4.32, it's the same verb for forgive that we saw in Colossians chapter 3, and it simply means that we cover them with grace. We cover them with grace. We extend grace. We surround the crime with grace. That's what it means. Now, think of it this way. The grace that I've been given is not something that I've deserved. God has given me grace to cover my sin. Aren't you happy that he's done that? Aren't you thrilled that the grace that God purchased for you and offered to you, which you received when you placed your faith in Jesus, aren't you thrilled that it has covered your sin? All right. That same grace that has covered your sin must be applied to the sin that someone does against you. Chairman of the deacons, the only one who said amen. Thank you, chairman of the deacons. He's going to get paid for that later. All right. The reason, look, the reason we have trouble with this is because Mo- and this is getting down to my application, but most of the time what we do is we begin with, our, with the crime against us. We evaluate the crime, and then we evaluate the residual feelings that we have because of that crime. And then we determine whether or not we can forgive. You see the process that goes through that? But that's not the process that we have in Scripture. And I know you want it to be that process because it's easier that way. But but I wouldn't be doing you a service, and certainly I don't think we would be doing our relationships a service if we apply our feelings first and then try to make God's Word fit it. So let's begin with what God's Word says. What we are supposed to do is we are supposed to take the same grace that covers our sin and apply it to the sin that someone does against us. And that's what forgive means in Ephesians 4.32, to cover it with God's grace. And by the way, God's grace can cover all sins, yes? Don't we believe that? Now, you're, you're, you're not liking the, the box you feel like I'm painting you in right now. I understand that. I do. I don't like the box either. It's no fun. And we're going to try to put some holes in that box here in a few minutes. Just, just, we'll, we'll try, to, try, to, try to deal with situations and circumstances which we feel. But we've got to begin with the right premise. Let's do what God's word says. We begin with how God has forgiven us. Not how we feel. Not the crime against us. We begin with what God has done for us. And what has God done for us? He's covered us with his grace. And so what must we do against those who have sinned? Against us? What must we do for those who have sinned against us? We must cover their crime with God's grace. All right, so that's the first aspect of forgiveness. Went through and and tried to draw, and I just state in the New Testament, there there are a couple of terms in the Old Testament that talk about forgiveness, and I'll I'll, uh, try to bring them in on the second point. But not only do we cover them with grace, but also forgiveness means that we let go the debt. We let go the debt. Um, we see this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Um, Peter comes up to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, tell me, how many times does someone get to sin against me and I must forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus responded in verse 22. Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So the question that Peter had is the question that we all: how many times do I let them sin against me and still forgive them? And Peter thought he was being magnanimous. He thought he was being very spiritual when he said seven times Jesus. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Seventy times seven is what? 490. Now, when you hit 491, you still must forgive. Jesus wasn't doing a math problem there. He was was speaking, using uh, uh, numbers to paint an an exaggerated picture of how we are to forgive every single time. That's the picture. And we are are to forgive... we're to forgive them and forgive them and forgive them. And, and that's what Jesus was talking about. I, I know that we want to try to then put loopholes into that, right? And right now, I know, I know you're thinking it. You're thinking of the loopholes. Well, I know, I know it, that what Jesus said, but, but he couldn't have meant it meant it for my situation. Yeah, he kind of did. Again, just don't, don't lose hope yet. Don't lose hope yet. We'll, we'll, we'll get down to it in the application. We'll try to figure out how this applies to our specific situation. But, but, but simply said, to forgive, there in Matthew 18, 21, to forgive is to let go the debt. Let go the debt. Uh, somebody comes up to you, uh, you owe them $100. Somebody comes up to you and says, I'm letting go your debt. What does that mean to you? Yeah, you don't have to pay the $100, do you? Right? It means no more, no more debt to be paid. The, the term for forgive there in Matthew 18, 21 is an, an, an accounting term. It's a mathematical term. It means the debt is gone. Which is similar to number three, which means that we, we need to set them free from condemnation. Set them free from condemnation. The third uh, term that we see in the New Testament for forgiveness, we see in Luke chapter six, verse uh, thirty-seven. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-seven, where um, uh, 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 where Jesus says, "I had to think about it. I'm right, rattling in my head. Had to think about it." Jesus said, "Judge not, you won't be judged. Condemn not, you won't be condemned." Forgive, and you will be forgiven. In those three phrases, Jesus paints a picture of what forgiveness is supposed to look like. Forgiveness being the positive out of the two negative statements, but they all go together as a whole. He's not saying don't don't critically evaluate the the, the things that people are doing. He's not saying don't don't make a this is right uh, or this is wrong judgment evaluation of things that people are doing, but rather he's saying that when someone does a crime against you, when they do wrong you, then you do not use that crime as a hammer to hammer them. You set them free from condemnation. That is forgiveness. Forgiveness is where where we... And, and this was part of the discussion. Pastoral staff and I were together on Tuesday. We were talking about this. And, and uh, we, we, we had a debate on and whether, whether you can truly forgive and forget. And my whole premise was, yes, you, to forgive means that you forget. And, and they were, they were uh, pushing against me on that. They were saying I was mistaken. And... He said I was wrong. He said, no, you, how do you forget? You can't forget. And so as I began, and I rebuked them. I did. I rebuked them right then. <laughs> Rebuke. No, as, we were, as I was listening to them and as I prayed through the passages that I looked at this week, I began to realize it's, it's not so much that we forget. It's that we don't use it against them anymore. I understand. It's, it's impossible. Twenty-some-odd years ago, I said something to Edie about something. I have no idea what she does. She knows exactly when I said it and how I said it. 20 some odd years ago. And, and she remembers that. She has a tremendous filing cabinet. Tremendous. Her filing system is spectacular. She's going to remember this, too. And... But the key is not that she forgets. I wish she would. Holy amnesia. God grant it now. (laughs) But the key is not that she forgets. The key is that she no longer uses it as as a lever to condemn or to push down. And she doesn't do that. She remembers. She might remind me every now and then, but it's not condemnatory at all. It's that, you remember that time when you said, yes, baby, I do. I'm just saying that. Wouldn't be good to ever say that again. Yes, baby, I'm reminded. I'm not going to do that again. But but that's that's when when we forgive, it's not necessarily that we forget, it's that we don't use it as a hammer anymore to condemn or to keep in line. Or to push around. Does that make sense? So so when we're setting them free from condemnation, we're we're not we're not um, harboring this, this, uh, this passive-aggressive guilt that we just pour out over them. We're not doing that anymore. Okay? Uh, when, when we look at the Old Testament, there is one particular Hebrew term that talks about forgiveness. And literally, I read it earlier uh, in Psalm 103, uh, literally the verb means to cast away, to cast away. And when we look at how God has forgiven us, He has taken the sin that we have done, and He has cast it away, removed it as far as the east is from the west. And today, the command for us is be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So we must take the crime and cast it away let go the debt set free from condemnation cover them with grace but i know how hard that is how you think about this and and up to this point you have listened but you have sort of not listened you've listened and, and you've heard what 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 the word of god says but then you've been thinking specifically about your own situation and you've been thinking about how, well, you know, Eric, if you only understood what, what crimes were done against me, then you would understand how, how, why it is I'm not covering them with grace or letting go the dead or, or setting them free from condemnation. If you only understood the crime. Now, he, here's what I will say, and this is Pastor Eric talking. This is just me. I'm just talking about this, all right? So here's what I do understand. There is a difference between stepping on somebody's toe and shooting somebody in the head. Can we all agree that... The, that there is a difference, difference between those two. There is a difference between stepping on somebody's toe and shooting somebody in the head. When somebody steps on your toe, forgiveness should come easily. That's an easy journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. It should be immediate. It should be easy. Even if they don't say, oh, excuse me for stepping on your toe, you should immediately cover that with grace. That, that should be an easy fix, right? Right? They've stepped on my toe. It's been my experience in marriage, however, and, and, and in relationships that many times it's the multiple times that my toe has been stepped on that makes it challenging for me to cover that with grace. But if I don't cover it with grace, I'm being disobedient. See, my, my responsibility is not to the person who is stepping on my toe. I, I can't be responsible for them. I can't fix them. All I can do is cover them with grace. But that's a small thing. Now, when you talk about uh, someone shooting you in the head, that's a different kind of forgiveness, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's a longer journey of forgiveness. That's a forgiveness where you have to wake up every morning determined to forgive. That's a forgiveness that continues, continues and continues. And continue. Some of you are in a situation even now where forgiveness is hard because, man, every morning is a reminder of the crime that has been done against you. And every morning that you face that crime that has been done against you, every single morning, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you must choose to forgive. Here's some application points, especially for marriages and relationships. First one I would say uh, is forgiveness is more than a feeling. I hope that we've gotten that by now. Uh, forgiveness is not an emotional response to a situation. If we wait for our emotions to do what God expects us to do, then chances are we will not do what God expects us to do. Forgiveness is not first a feeling. Forgiveness, first and foremost, is a choice. It is a choice to seek Christ above all things. It is a choice to surrender myself fully and completely to Him every day. It is a choice, in the language of Ephesians 5.1, it is a choice to imitate God as His child. Forgiveness begins as a choice, not a feeling. So in your relationships today, in your marriage today, I know that you might not feel very forgiving, but you must choose to forgive. This is what makes it a secret sauce, because what forgiveness, when we begin to choose to forgive and choose to forgive and choose to forgive, then intimacy is restored in a faster fashion than ever before. When we choose to forgive, choose to forgive, choose to forgive, and when both the husband and the wife are in a forgiving kind of way as imitators of of, uh, God, as dearly loved children, then they really are living a life of love. And when we begin to live that life of love, as Christ has shown us how, then the, the, the intimacy of that relationship only blossoms stronger and stronger and stronger. But I do know that there are some situations in this room today that's bigger than you stole my covers last night. I understand that. And when we're looking at uh, forgiveness, many of you are thinking, feeling. Here's what you're feeling, or perhaps thinking: Is uh, you mean I, they just get away scot-free? They just, they just get. You're saying, Eric, that I'm supposed to just let them off the hook completely and not even worry about it. Now, here's what I'm saying: I'm saying you are supposed to forgive, but forgive is not the same thing as fix. Forgiveness is not the same thing as fix. See, fixing is a different issue altogether. Fixing fixing a relationship, fixing um, uh, someone pours into your relationship a bucket of lies and they drown you in that bucket of lies, you forgive. That's your responsibility. But fixing that is a totally different journey. There are many relationships where you begin. You, as God has paved the pathway of relationship with him with forgiveness, you too must pave the pathway in your relationship with forgiveness. But not everyone, even though you paved the pathway with your forgiveness, it does not mean necessarily that the other person is going to walk that path toward reconciliation. You can't fix them. You can't control them. Reconciliation is something bigger and broader than just forgiveness, but forgiveness paves the pathway to re- reconciliation. Today, today you're in a situation and you just don't see a fix. That's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but what I'm saying is that's, that's not your job. Your job is to forgive. So that tomorrow you're not holding the crime against you uh, as, as some, some, uh, some way to punish them. You're no longer trying to condemn them. You've forgiven them. Now they may be walking away and they may never come back down that road of reconciliation. But that's beyond you. All you can do is forgive forgiveness does not mean a pass everybody knows that that every sin is measured the same in the sight of God but the consequences of our sin always are different depending upon our sin does that make sense in the same way in our relationships with others I can forgive that sin but the consequences for that sin that crime that you have done against me the consequences are going to be weighted according to the crime. And those consequences, and that's not that's not me using the crime as a hammer against you. It's not me using the crime as, as some way to manipulate you, but rather it is forgiving the crime, but recognizing that the crime itself requires certain elements of reconciliation and peacemaking. Here's a good principle in your relationship, especially in your marriage. The Apostle Paul wrote, he said, He said, As much as it depends upon you, be at peace. As much as it depends upon you. You own your responsibility. I own my responsibility as, as dearly loved children. As those who have been uh, set apart as holy unto the Lord. As those who have been raised with Christ Jesus. I'm going to own my responsibility to forgive. But I'm not going to try to fix Fixing is beyond me. I'll be a participant, but I can't fix you, and I can't fix what you've done. The third thing I would say uh, is about giving and receiving forgiveness. And this is a very strong principle that we see in Matthew chapter 18, Luke chapter 6. Uh, We see it again uh, here in, in, uh, in Ephesians. We hear it when Jesus taught on prayer. Um, The principle is, and the language of of the text usually says something along these lines, forgive or you won't be forgiven. And Jesus said, he said, be sure to forgive because if you don't forgive others, how can your heavenly Father also forgive you? In Luke 6, 37, he said, he said, judge not, you won't be judged, condemn not, you won't be condemned, and then forgive and you will be forgiven. I don't know what all of that means. I know that God can forgive any sin and that God is eager and willing to forgive every sin. So I know that about God. What Jesus was talking about in those passages, I don't know everything that that means. There's a mystery to that from my perspective. But here's what I do know it means. There is a correlation between how well you forgive others and how well you receive forgiveness. There is a correlation. Some here today, you are walking around a, just a bundle of bitterness and, and hatefulness and condemnation on yourself, on others. And I believe that for many of you, the reason that's your character today is because you have failed to forgive others. There is a correlation between giving forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. The ability for us to to receive the forgiveness that God offers or that others offer is directly related to how generous we are, how obedient to God we are in forgiving others. Today could be a landmark day for you, not just in your relationships, but in your life. If you would make today the day that you let go all the bundles of bitterness and Grudges and toxicity, and you just say, you know, I'm going to forgive. I used this a couple of weeks ago, but the adage, the the little saying is true. Um, When we don't forgive somebody, it's like me drinking poison thinking it's going to kill them. The truth is, when we don't forgive somebody, it hurts us. And I think that's the principle of giving and receiving forgiveness. The the, the more grace God gives us in forgiving others, the more grace we receive and sense and know in how He has forgiven us. So the bottom line today, please, the bottom line today, begin with what God says. Not with what you feel. Begin with what God says, not the crime that's been done against you. Begin with what God says. We must forgive others the way God has forgiven us. And now let's forgive.